Stay tuned for Time to Talk with host Jennifer Graziano of Zion Memorial Chapel and Cox and Graziano Funeral Homes. Jennifer is here to discuss a sensitive subject we all need to talk and think about. Here now is Jennifer Graziano and Time to Talk. Good morning, Westchester. It's 9 a.m. on Monday, and that means it's time to talk with me, Jen Graziano. I'm a licensed funeral director who oversees my family's funeral homes, Cox and Graziano of both Mamaroneck and Greenwich, and the Zion Memorial Chapel of Westchester. Every week, I come to you discussing important topics and sensitive matters that all of us need to pause and reflect upon at some point, and through this show, I hope to provide a platform to do so. We will take questions, comments, and calls this morning to those listening on air to WVOX, 1460 AM to 914-636-0110. And welcome to the Facebook Live viewers who will join us momentarily. Um, New year, happy to be back live, new season of shows, but same mission to educate, inform, and help you all make better decisions. So, hi, Tim. And what better way to start the year than with our... Famous recurring guests, Sal DiCostanzo, an elder lawyer with the firm of Maker for Golly and DiCostanzo. Sal specializes in topics that we need to pay attention to before it's too late. Planning and preparedness, elder law, a very specific niche um, work and matters that you can't just leave to just any lawyer because preservation of wealth, uh, everything you've worked so hard in your lifetime to accumulate, how you hand that down. Um, and how you pass the torch is so important. So welcome, Sal. Good morning, Jen. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. So glad to kick off the year with you. Um, Sal, I introduced you earlier on the show. You have offices in both northern and southern Westchester, but you are very well known throughout the circuit. You are a frequent lecturer. You're a blogger. You're an author. And you discuss age-related legal issues. Um, and again, elder law is your realm. But most recently, you have written and talked about the concept of soul agers and that's what i want to focus on today that's right so talk to us a bit about a what that is and we'll take the implications from there so it's uh it's interesting you know as a as an elder law attorney we get a chance to work with so many different types of people a lot of people think that we just work with elderly people but that's not true Mm -hmm. but uh you know running the gamut of all the generations you know you start to see and especially this year with the the covid pandemic you're seeing uh, many more people that are somewhat isolated. Yes. Uh, this term solo ager. Solo ager. Solo <laughs> ager uh, has bec- started to become very popular. You see it in the social work arena. People writing articles about this. And uh, what it really uh, means is, is you know, uh, and I'm not sure they've really created a, a, a proper definition uh, for, for, for a solo ager, but it really means a, a childless uh, a baby boomer. So it's not necessarily somebody who, is it someone who never got married or someone well, who that's, is that's, widowed that's, or divorced? That's interesting. And that's why I don't think that they, you know, it, it could be a very politically incorrect type of, you know, <laughs> phrase. Matter of fact, another word for solo agers is orphaned elders. Oh, right? wow. So I don't, I don't really, just, that's I, just I, I don't like that. It doesn't sound good. But, it just sounds uh, bad. <laughs> it, it just sounds bad. But really what we're trying to get at over here and what you see is, there's an, an an enormous amount of people, and generally speaking, it's the baby boomer generation, uh, who are who have either chosen not to get married, traditional marriages, and have children. Uh, you see, with the baby boomer generation, 
that was really one of the first generations where uh, women uh, really took uh, an effort to be part of the workforce. Uh, so you've got a lot of women who have made a conscious decision to, to go into the workforce and, and maybe not get married, not have children. Uh, you've got other people that are just by virtue of divorce or death have become single uh, and, and without ch- children. But you also have instances where people ha- have children, right? But in, in today's day and age, the children are so preoccupied with their own lifestyles that it's, it's sometimes akin to not having children. And I don't mean that in a, out of you know, lack of love and affection, but circumstance, circumstance. I bet you many of our listeners could, could, could attest to the fact that they call their son and their daughter and they never call them back. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. It doesn't really necessarily affect the Italian children, it, it, such as right, you and me. Right. <laughs> no, but but again, I think it speaks to a larger point and the changing family dynamic and, and the, the family of the 50s and 60s is not the family of today. And arguably, this generation has laid the groundwork and the framework. So it's made not getting married a viable option or That's couples right. who get married and choose never to have children. You know, it, it's become just more of a commonplace thing. You know, marriage, 2.5 kids, house, fence and dog is not the norm not anymore. All. So not I think the framework that's being laid out now is going to, you know, leave impact in years to come that's right. and, and it's going to evolve and change. But ultimately, when you look at children, we go on about this, but the role of the adult child becomes somewhat of a parent. That's right. So when you have the adult child, they're helping with medical decisions. They're helping with legal decisions. You have um, kind of a place to transfer wealth. So all of that is missing when you have a solo ager. That's right. How do you navigate that? Well, hence the name orphan, right? Yeah, And that's where that comes yeah. from. So in, in a way, we don't like to use that phrase. I don't think it's a, it's a proper phrase, but it does make sense. Think of somebody without a parent. Uh, so we're seeing a, a large number of people, uh, and I, <clears throat> I read something on the Internet, and I did not do any further research, but it seemed to suggest that over 20% of the baby boomer generation falls into this category. Over 20%. Over 20%. That's a lot larger than it. Now, baby boomer, Sal, when you say that, you're talking like 60 through yep. 75? Yep, yep, okay. yep. So over 20% of, uh, of, of that generation or those generations seem to fall into this category. And so it raises a lot of legal issues. Uh, it raises a lot of uh, uh, social issues. Uh, and, and, and again, it, it raises the, it, it, it shows how the practice of elder law really runs over a lot of different professional practice areas. Mm-hmm. What you need to start thinking about is, you know, uh, for some of the non-legal things that we think about are just the psychological impact that this has on people. Yeah. Right, especially during this pandemic where people have been confined. Isolation, loneliness, Isolation. And mental health issues. Absolutely. Mental health issues. It, it could really, uh, it could really ruin somebody. It's and so true. We're seeing this often, often, over and over again. It already did exist. Right. And now it's been it, it's been compounded by this pandemic. The isolation's exacerbated because you know you were coming home. Every, you know, people who fall into this category were coming home to an empty house every night. That's right. But now you're not leaving that empty house during the day. That's so right. your opportunities to socialize and connect with people, and I don't care what anybody says, all this virtual FaceTime and Zoom does not even come close to replicating it does human not. contact. It, there's no substitute for a good no. hug. No, we were just talking about that in the show. Huggers like myself really struggle with this. <laughs> and uh, from from a legal perspective, though, you know these the, you know these individuals may not have somebody to tell them go do this or go do that. 
And so you're, you're sitting at home in isolation uh, with your, your, your network is not that strong. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it was never that strong and now it really isn't strong. Mm-hmm. And there's nobody to say, hey, mom, did you draft a will? Hey, mom, did you know, did you do a power of attorney? So from a legal perspective, we want to raise this issue and create awareness. Yes. So that way it may not be the, the solo ager that says, oh, you know what? Sal's right. Let me call him. What we're trying to do is we're trying to create that 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 network, that team, that resource around these people who are solo agers to say, you know what? I never really thought about that. Let me take a few minutes out of my day and and get in touch with my mom and my dad or whoever it is. It could be a loved one, it could be an aunt or an uncle, especially, you know, uh, we, we often see aging aunts and uncles. Yeah. And, and again, when they don't have kids, that becomes right. like the default. That's that right. You usually have a niece or a nephew that you're. You're very close to. But I think for a person who finds themselves in this category, uh, a mindfulness as to, okay, who do I have? Kind of like taking an inventory of the trusted people in your life that can act as fiduciaries. Um, But but it it just requires some thought. You know, you need you're going to need to have at some point the power of attorney, the health care proxy. You know, you still have needs, wants and wishes with children or without children, but you need someone to execute them. And mind you, sometimes it's better to have the third party instead of your kids. Well, it's you, very, you raise a very interesting topic, and I'm working with somebody, a family, a husband and wife right now that fall into the solo age category, uh, probably a little bit on the higher end. But uh, people come to me all the time. They say, but Sal, who, I have nobody. Who do I point? Who would I leave as a beneficiary? And, and it stalls them in their planning process. And so it's good to, to let people know that it, it doesn't always have to be a family member. Right. You could appoint in this particular case, they're appointing their financial advisor. Right. You could appoint your accountant. You can appoint your financial advisor. You can even appoint your attorney. Now, that's my question. So in terms of, you know, interested parties and an attorney can be an executor. Yeah. yeah. OK. And a financial advisor and an accountant, all those, you know, fiduciaries too, yeah. can be appointed executors. Pretty much anybody. And, and an executor or a power of attorney is not necessarily tied hand in hand to, you know, to gifts and bequests. And if you are appointing someone to do your administrative housekeeping, there's still the second part of, you know, who they're delivering. It depends these on how you to. fill out the form. Right. And that's where the attorney comes in. But you should not be stalled in the process. You should not be like a deer in headlights because you don't know who to appoint. You should sit down with an attorney and talk and, and, and try to determine who might be the best person. Uh, but there are a couple of legal planning topics that we should be thinking about for solo ages. Yes, go ahead. Uh, and, and, and they become more profound in the case of a solo ager. So, for instance, we're talking about a power of attorney. You absolutely want to have a power of attorney in place. If you don't have a close network, if you don't have children, or if you have children that are distant, you need somebody that can step in to take care of your financial affairs if you can't. Without that, we're going to end up in a guardianship proceeding, which is a legal proceeding through the court system that we do not want to partake it's in. It's the court picking someone to act on your behalf because you have not done so. Pretty much. Okay. Such a simple form, which, by the way, this is another topic for the next time we get together. Uh, he's giving a teaser. <laughs> they recently changed the power of attorney yes. statute in New York State. The form is going to change. Uh, it's effective uh, later on this year. Uh, but we're going to be lecturing on that, writing about that, uh, and we can do a show about that. But I just sure. want everybody to know that they've simplified the power of attorney. It used to be very, it still is very complicated, and they've simplified it. 
it's just a document that everybody should have. And I think Absolutely. what better time than the new year right. to take inventory of what you have and don't have. Yeah. And, you know, now's the time where we're mindful. We're in resolution mode. That's so right. you're really raising important topics. If you're just joining us this morning on 1460 WVOX, I'm speaking with Sal DiCostanzo, an elder lawyer with offices in both northern and southern Westchester. And we're talking about the concept of solo agers, those who are aging without children, um, not necessarily without a spouse or significant other, but without children that can help carry out legal and medical uh, needs, wants, wishes, and there has to be a plan B. You know, without children, you still have the same work that needs to be done. Um, you have the same legal needs with or without children. And now it's a matter of finding agents on your behalf, That's fiduciaries right. that you're appointing. Um, Sal just talked about the importance of having a power of attorney and selecting someone to fill that role. Let's talk about that for a second, the people who say, but Sal, I don't have anybody. Right. Like you said, your attorney, your financial advisor, your accountant, oftentimes people have long-term relationships with, with those figures. That's right. And they become very trusted. Uh, you know, They know your ins and outs, and they tend to also know family dynamic and nuance as well because they get very granular in, in your affairs. So oftentimes they are very good options. You know, they know the planning that went into it. They, they know assets. You know, they know where the bodies are buried, so That's to right. speak. Right. So oftentimes those really are viable they options. Are. They are. And and one of the, uh, and this is a, a, a tidbit that I'd really like for our listeners to take out of here and our viewers for 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 for, for it, it doesn't have to necessarily be a solo age for but for those who are 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 single with you know no descendants and and limited um, heirs if you would in other words a typical maybe like an aunt or an uncle that was single uh, never married their next of kin would be their their nieces and nephews we really want to think about a revocable trust okay and the revocable trust is a is a prime planning technique for these types of cases. Why? Because it avoids probate. Probate is the process of taking somebody's will to the court after they die. You go through the probate process to get the executor appointed. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that when they draft a will and they name the executor in the will, that that, that's it. You're done. I I have a will. I named Jen as my executor. No, Jen is not your executor until the court says that Jen is your executor. Absolutely. Anything through that will is subject that's to right. probate. Anything right. outside of the will and the trust vehicle is not. It's, it, not. it's a direct bequest. O- right. Almost akin to, you know, when you name a beneficiary, you know, again, your life insurance policy is not part of a probate. That's right. When you have, you're right, it, it is a simpler vehicle, and there's such misconception about that. People just think, I have a will, it's all set, it's going to be easy for those I'm leaving it's behind. It, it's not. It's another It's another layer of... Yep. And the, the message and that I'm procedure. trying to get across to everybody is that a, a last will and testament in the case of someone who has distant heirs becomes a very cumbersome document because the probate process requires you to go find all of those next of kin. So you said before that that person may have developed a relationship with a trusted individual. It could be a friend. It could be a, a, a professional, like mm-hmm. a financial advisor, accountant. And in some cases, maybe they not only want to appoint that person to handle their affairs, but they might want to leave their estate to that person, but too. But now you have to go find all Now you got to go through the, the probate process. The nieces, the nephews that could be out there that That's might right. not have spoken that to the decedent. And, exactly. So, I mean, again, we're not discrediting having a will. No. And it's part of planning and preparedness. You still need to have a will. You still need a will. But as many assets as you can kind of eliminate That's from right. that will and right. place into the trust vehicle, you know, it, it's... 
although I'm sure you do this every day, is still a collectively lesser known instrument than a will. It, it is, People. but it's becoming very, very popular. A revocable Rightfully trust. Rightfully so, yes. With the complexity of the court systems, yes. uh, which we have excellent people in Westchester County, but it, it, it's just still a, somewhat of a complex process. It's still a process. It's and, still and a, a process. System. So, again, taking this away, we're talking about appointing your agents on your behalf, um, considering a trust vehicle instead of just having right. your will, the addition of a trust vehicle. Right. Again, this all begs the need for an elder law attorney to walk Absolutely. you through the process. And obviously, you know, your, your, not, your knowledge precedes you. I mean, you come on and you know the ins and outs of this. So I really can't underscore enough the importance of speaking to Sal or, or someone like Sal. Um, appointing the agent, finding the person to carry out your directives. Let's go back for a second to health care directives, which, you know, in your line of work, you do work yep. with people on health care proxies. Are you stuck in your I'm chair? Stuck. He's stuck <laughs> in his chair. Um, I'm, I'm bolstering you up right now, and you're stuck in the chair. Um, <laughs> but in terms of a health care proxy, now, does is that something that you would commonly see people with no children leave to the lawyer or to the accountant or to the financial advisor? Or should, do you argue that should go to the neighbor or the close friend. That's a tough one. You know, uh, unlike a power of attorney where you might name your financial advisor or your accountant, you may not want your financial (laughs) advisor or your accountant pulling the plug. So that... I know, they say attorneys are very cold, too. (laughs) That takes some thought, and that does sometimes turn into a little bit of of an issue. But, you know, sometimes people go to the church or the synagogue. Yeah, oh, okay. Yeah, And there's clergy. options from in that perspective. Or their, their network there. But the point of it is you have to think about who it's going to be. It. So that's what we hope the takeaway right. is today. Who is this going to be? Now, let's talk about, you know, the disposition of assets. Well, you just took, you, before you go there, you just used the word disposition. Something that ties into what you do as a funeral director. The agent letter is so important in these cases. Look at this. I forgot, you know, I'm wearing my legal hat today. (laughs) No, it's very true. So the agent letter I always find is something that if I don't mention it, no one knows about it. And the same thing with you. You're advising your clients. Most people don't. And I, I had lectured on the New York City Bar panel one night on this topic, and I was blown away by the amount of attorneys who did not know what this document right. was. And when these attorneys are doing planning and preparedness, they stop before the funeral. And the point of my lecture was to say, keep going, go that one more step. New York State recognizes an agent letter under the public health law, which allows two things. Um there's a legal hierarchy of who can make your arrangements. It's the same legal hierarchy of who your next of kin is. This allows you to bypass that. So if you have a spouse or if you have multiple children, let's say feuding children, this allows you to bypass that legal hierarchy and select someone of whom you feel a greater comfort level to carry out your wishes. Um, in the case when there's no children, this is so important, especially if you're up there in age and you don't have parents or necessarily siblings who is going to speak for you? If you want to be cremated, that's not something I could take the word from your neighbor. To, I, I can't act on that. I need documentation, which enables me to do that, especially in a cremation, understandably. Mm-hmm. So finding an agent to say, you know, you yourself are saying these are my wishes. You're writing them out. You're selecting the funeral home. And then you're getting someone to sign off on them and a successor as well. That's right. But. Going back to the disposition of assets, what do you do when there's no one to leave it to? Well, again, we, uh, you know, we, we think long and hard. Uh, if there's no one to leave it to, sometimes we'll just use the, bare, you know, what you're referring to as dis, uh, 
Well, you're talking about disposition of assets. I'm still on the burial remains. Are you going back to my job? Well, because if there's nobody, if there's nobody there to appoint, we'll sometimes fill out the form without necessarily appointing somebody, just listing what your wishes are and give it to the funeral director through yes. a prepaid funeral. Yes, and there's always, you know, the law always says there's a, you know, looking at the decedent's wishes, right. you know, is often paramount. And then also, you know, that ties into also a Medicaid spend down. When you're trying to qualify for Medicaid, you are allowed to create that right. trust. It is, you know, it's a permissible asset, but it's an irrevocable trust, That's right. which is a subject for a different day. Uh, but, yeah, that is part of legal planning is putting those assets in advance. And especially if there's no immediate heirs, it's so important that you do that right. because who is going to speak for you? Use your money. That's the last thing you can use for yourself. So don't just think about a funeral. But if you're getting buried, where's the plot? If you have a plot, where's the stone? You know, there's so many outside costs to a funeral right. that people don't anticipate. Um, but make sure that you're using your assets for you. I have a very interesting uh, tidbit as well, uh, just having to do again with the burial remains. I've had the opportunity to represent a lot of people in the uh, LGBTQ community. And I just recently got done representing two gentlemen who uh, were never married. And uh, I drafted a revocable trust for them because they're next of kin. They, they, they don't have a relationship with their, with their, their family this members. This happens so often. And, but yet they've been living their lives for the last, you know, 30 years. Together. As a couple. Yeah. And it's, it's human nature to think that you're going to make my decisions. But yet you're not recognized necessarily as an individual that can make those Absolutely. Uh, and they decisions. weren't a part of her because I know the domestic registry, which was initially in place did. to, to yes, solve this. And then and New York State recognizes same-sex marriage. Yes. But, you know, you could take that and you can bring it back to the other realm of second, you know, second relationships. This is very common. First spouse dies or divorce. You know, dad or mom meet somebody never new. Remarried. They cohabitate yep. for 20, 30 years. They never remarry. And human nature is a real thing. It's very, you know, it's more often than not there. There's contention in those situations and the adult kids are not happy with That's what right. mom or dad did. And, and, and there's a sadness in it because, you know, it, there was a real bond there that two people have. But now the legality kind of underscores that because they live together without any type of legal recognition. So now your children start to make decisions. You know, you could have been cohabitating in a home that you have to get out of a home now when somebody dies. So that scenario really can run the gamut of who it can affect. And so you need to be very mindful to put these types of documents in order because you you may not have the right person from a statutory perspective Mm -hmm. making decisions for you. Uh, If you don't have a relationship with your 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 distant relatives, uh, you don't want them showing up one day at your funeral saying, I want to bury my my uncle or my cousin at this cemetery when you wanted to be cremated and your partner was in charge of that. Now, absolutely. And, and, and there's so there's such an as, assumption of what will happen, you know, a presumption. And it's incorrect. So, you know, you think because somebody has been at your side for 20, 30 years that, that they're going to be carrying this out. They're not going to be without, you know all the legal checks and balances in order. So something something to think about for people out there who are listening, who are in these domestic relationships that are not under the guise of marriage. Um, do people still utilize the domestic registry? Does it, does it serve sure. a purpose? I'm not sure, to be uh, honest with you. But So what do you, in a case like that, though, all right, now let's say you're 75 and you're not going to go get married just to do this, but is it just a matter of naming the person yeah, on documents? Right, because like you said before, when you draft the paper and you name the individual and you write down your wishes, that supersedes everything else. 
And keep in mind, too, though, power of attorney ceases a debt. All the more, you know, that agent letter that we mentioned before right. from my industry, so important. And you a have revocable to, trust. And a revocable trust. You have to name this person. It's not enough to love them and to live with them. That's right. Um, you have to take that step in furtherance. And again, a lot of this also requires conversation. Absolutely. People don't want to have them. People avoid what is uncomfortable. They'll avoid it forever if they could. But you think you're doing the right thing to avoid. You're creating so much more of a mountain. That's right. And, and what you, all, the, all the good you think you're doing in the end when you're not here, um, you know, it, it's sad. But real conversations with your kids, with your significant others, um, and when there's no kids, kind of real real self-reflection. And if you don't have that close network, take advantage of local resources. Take advantage of community resources. Yes. It's so important to have some sort of support system yes. in place. So by working with attorneys, accountants, financial advisors, it also stretches beyond that to the work that, you know, social workers, just, you know, community organizations. I know you always lectured uh, and held events at the community centers. Those senior centers are so important. I mean, again, it's so sad right now. They're the lifeline to so many. But I know so many are also doing a lot of virtual things uh, with seniors, which is great. But, yes, there are resources there. There are moderators there that become like caretakers. And, you know, they check on you. Great example. You know, don't think it can't be someone like right. that. It, it absolutely can be absolutely. someone like that. Absolutely. It's a matter of trust. Sal, I know you've written about this. Where can people read your article on solo agers? Uh, it'll be on the website, plan today for tomorrow, uh, sometime this week. Okay. Uh, plan today for tomorrow.com. Yep, all spelled out. <laughs> not going to get into this again. Um, Maker for Golly and DeCostanzo. Sal DeCostanzo, offices in northern and southern Westchester. Yes. This was a great show. It was so informative. We'll have you back Thanks in February. And this is Jen Graziano thanking you for taking the time to listen as we took the time to talk. Have a great day, Westchester. Bye-bye.